Hello, you're listening to Send in the Experts with Georgina Durant. This podcast is all about teaching and supporting children and young people with special educational needs and disabilities, SEND. I'm Georgina Durant. I'm the host of this podcast brought to you by Twinkle SEND. As a former teacher in Senko myself, I wanted to create a platform to share some of the amazing things that my guests are doing to support learners of SEND. So whether you're listening on your commute, tuning in whilst walking your dogs or curled up on the sofa with a nice cup of coffee, thank you so much for joining us. In this episode, I am so excited to be joined by the wonderful Hayley Newman. Famous for wearing her heart on her sleeve, Hayley writes the award-winning blog, Downs Side Up, about life with her daughter, Natty, who has Down syndrome. She has campaigned tirelessly for inclusion, equitable education and healthcare over the years and trains medics and teachers to this aim. Hayley, along with daughter Mia, have published a book for children called I Love You Natty, as well as contributing to many other books and publications such as the Huffington Post, Special Needs Jungle, The Telegraph and Nursing Times. She delivered a TEDx talk dispelling the myths around the condition and appeared in Sally Phillips's BBC documentary A World Without Downs. Hayley is often called upon to give comment in the media and she and her model daughter Natty have popped up on The Lorraine Show, Channel 4 News, Lucy women and more and now this podcast Hayley <laughs> I'm not sure I can compete with those <laughs> so we've saved the best till last Georgina oh absolutely don't tell loose women <laughs> so Hayley I'm so excited to chat to you I feel like we've sort of known each other a little while with through like blogging and through social media and emails but I'm really loving this opportunity to actually meet you so how are you I am fine this morning thank you so much for having me on and I think if you're being totally honest it was your wonderful book that brought us together. Yes, you kindly endorsed it for me. And you know, your wonderful book is, is one of the things that helped us um, keep going through the lockdowns and the homeschooling. So, so thank oh. you. Yes, yeah. Oh, thank you very much. So, how's your week been? Are you having a nice week? We are having a lovely week. We're enjoying some some crisp, sunny weather down here in Cornwall. Yeah. And Grandma has come to stay, and we haven't seen Grandma since about Easter. So, oh, wonderful. Um, that's that's lovely. My parents have been shielding yeah. as as we've been sort of extra cautious with Natty as well so um yeah we're having a really good week and this is one of the highlights (laughs) yay oh it's so lovely getting people back in your house again isn't it and having certainly just just somebody around to just make a cup of tea with and just chat and just yeah I think we took all of that for granted yes we we did we did okay um so I was going to start by asking you to tell our listeners more about Down syndrome and what it actually is which I think is important so we'll cover that in a minute but first could you just tell me more about your wonderful daughter Natty? I, I think she's the first UK model with a disability as well, which is very impressive. Yeah, she, she has been done a bit, few bit of groundbreaking work in her time. But uh, yeah, Natty's fifteen, and um, uh, she was born. Um, she was born at home um, mm-hmm. fifteen years ago, and I had been given uh, one in two hundred and seventy nine. Uh, risk was the word used at the time, very negative right, word yeah. of having a baby with Down syndrome. And I had um, completely discarded that as a possibility. Yeah. I had taken all the pregnancy vitamins. I had been to baby yoga. I had read every manual on the market. I was fit and healthy. That just simply wasn't going to happen to me. No, <laughs> so, it's, not, it's, it's the naivety, isn't it? Naive, I think we all think that as when you're ignorant, pregnant. arrogant, whatever you want to call it. Oh no, <laughs> I just didn't think that was going to happen to me. And I refused invasive testing. Um, yeah, you know, sort of um, the um, 
uh, my mind has gone blank. No, I know you mean the, <laughs> the, the um, amnio. Yeah, I refused the amnio because I had actually had five miscarriages, Georgina, yeah. and I didn't want to. Um, again, something we say, just an off the cuff a comment that people use. I didn't want to risk um, a healthy baby. You know, but what if she wasn't healthy? Was her life worth a tiny bit less? You know, and the other thing we say is, you know, I don't care what the sex of the baby is as long as it's healthy. Again, what what if not? You know, so we're automatically um, sort of making a baby with Gosh, any kind of genetic. That's really made me think, Hayley, yes. because I've said that, and I'm, I know I've you know I've been to the mums groups, the prenatal groups before my kids were born, and it's just an off the cuff thing you say, and you yes. feel like you're being a good person by not by saying the bit about. You know, I don't care if it's a boy or a girl. You think, oh, I'm, yes. <laughs> I'm being good here because I'm saying I don't care if it's a boy or a girl as long as it's a healthy baby. But yeah, of course you're going to love the baby regardless. Yes. So absolutely, you know, as long as it's a baby, it's a baby. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> this is what we need to be saying. And it's, you're right, we go to these sort of mum groups, pregnancy groups, um, prospective parents, just mm. pass that phrase one to the other, don't yeah. you? Just hand it on. So um, yes, Natty was born at home. She was she was blue um, floppy, um, pretty unresponsive. And the midwife present um, did panic a little bit, but none of us really knew what it was. And actually the underlying root of that, that was that she had two holes in her heart when she oh, was my goodness. born. And we were whisked into hospital and yeah, but we didn't know that for no, days. And um, we were whisked into hospital and the um, Down syndrome was I've identified about five hours later. And I have to admit, it was a huge shock. Yeah. Because I knew nothing about the condition, which is due to um, an extra chromosome. So Nutty has um, extra chromosome 21. So another term for for Down syndrome is trisomy 21. And that um, is in every cell of her body, you know, and that affects different... Um, people in different ways so but it generally results in some level of learning disability yeah that is a little bit smaller mm-hmm. uh, needs support learning everyday things like sort of learning to cross the road or sort of get dressed um, yeah uh, self-help skills and and all of that but um, it can um, have sort of eyesight or hearing um, impacts um, but as I say everybody's an individual everybody's different and I thought Natty would be a sort of shy and retiring, sitting in a corner. Mm-hmm. Um, I had this image of her tongue poking out with a, a sort of a fairly standard NHS haircut and, and, and old-fashioned glasses and be quite frumpily dressed. And, of course, not. She's my daughter. And yeah. she, this is the way that we've encouraged her to dress. Yeah. And she's got a very distinctive style. And she's bright, beautiful, funny. Um, and she's she's taught us so much. And she's made me a better person, Georgina. Oh, wow. She sounds wonderful. Absolutely wonderful. And I loved when I listened, oh, I'm digressing a little bit, but when I watched your TEDx talk, which if anybody hasn't watched yet, if you go onto YouTube, or I think if you go onto Hayley's website, there's a link, or if you Google it, um, she talks about her experiences and the responses of the doctors and the responses of the midwife, etc. But the one thing that stuck with me was the bit about Mia, her eldest, her elder sister, and just the, the way that you said about her sort of teaching you about it, the fact that children don't see the disability, they don't see any difference. And yes. she sort of taught you. Taught, yes. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. Because Mia was Mia was two when Nutty was born and she'd yeah. never heard the phrase Down syndrome. No. So, uh, let alone having any sort of stigma attached to it didn't yeah. mean anything to her she just wanted to know why her baby sister wasn't coming home from hospital oh. she was in the neonatal unit for three weeks yeah. and you know all her friends baby 
siblings came straight home. So that's all she wanted to know. And um, both girls really just just live in the moment. They just got on with it, didn't they? Yeah. Um, d- did teach us. And I think something that happens when you have a baby that has any kind of genetic condition or, or additional needs or what, whatever you want to call it, um, you do, you are guilty of um instead of just loving that baby that's in front of you for exactly who they are, you are guilty of trying to map out their entire lives. You know, I immediately wanted to know within an hour whether she would get married or whether Natty would get a job or whether she would um, go to mainstream school Um, instead of just thinking, I wonder how she's going to do feeding and I wonder how she's going to sleep and all of these other things. Yeah, just thinking in the moment, you're sort of planning too far ahead and that's probably like you say about um, your eldest daughter that's probably kids just live in the here and now don't they especially yes. younger children so she'll have just seen her right now <laughs> yes as she is and I do I have huge regrets over that I wish I could go back and just um see my amazing baby for exactly who she was at that time instead of mm. seeing um just this big label down syndrome and being frightened by it and actually wondering if I was good enough to be her mum and I can't turn back the clock but I no. think that is my the driving force between have, behind having started the blog. Yeah no that makes complete sense. Mm. So before having Natty did you know very much about Down syndrome at all then? I know you said you had sort of like a preconceived idea but. Not at all not at all and um, I used to be a teacher um, and in my capacity as a teacher I hadn't ever come across any pupils with Down syndrome. Yeah. Um, I think I would have perhaps seen you know, I'm a little bit older than you. So <laughs> when I went to school, the, um, people with um, any kind of learning disability or additional needs would have been completely segregated yeah. into another school setting um, or even not at school. Um, and so all my experience would have been seeing people in the street or, you know, seeing yeah. people from afar, perhaps um, with their families or in, in group situations. And I think that... At best, I would have probably had some sort of patronising, jovial approach. I might have even said, oh, they're musical and loving, aren't they? Or something. Yeah, oh, one of the throwaway like comments that, that people say. Hideous, um, you know, out-of-date comment. Um, yeah. Wrong. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, no, I had very, very little experience, and I think that is what drove um, the shock and the fear um, yeah. behind um the early days when Natty was born. And of course, the the language that comes from the medical professionals, you know, words shape our thinking. Yeah. And so as I went, as I told you earlier, I was given this risk of having a baby, with death, risk yeah. of fire, risk of flooding, risk of death, risk of bad things. Yeah. So, you know, and the fact we're screening and scanning for the uh, for this extra chromosome, it has to be a bad thing, doesn't it? that's how we're conditioned to think that's a really Um, good point it's the language isn't it it's the way it's been approached that changes the way we think about it and and our community midwife wept when she heard the news and said you know this really shouldn't really shouldn't happen to such a lovely family and so that set the tone yeah set the tone oh especially when you're so vulnerable and you just had a baby as well (laughs) yeah to hear that gosh so in terms of misconceptions about Down syndrome what you've touched on a couple of them but what what would you say the common misconceptions are gosh there are so there are so many and some of them aren't even appropriate to say here um 
you know, the musical and loving thing, yeah. for sure. Always happy. They're always yeah. happy, aren't they? No. Nutty is a fully rounded person like you or yeah. I. She has up days, down days. She can get cross. If she doesn't like you, she'll tell you. Um, she has, you know, she'll feel embarrassed, um, happy, sad, worried, um, all the emotions. Yes. Yeah. Um, they're stubborn, aren't they? Um, no, they just, perhaps Natty doesn't like being told what to do and she'll tell you if she doesn't like being told what to do. Um, another common misconception is that, you know, there's sort of life expectancy of 40 or 50. Right. I do remember somebody telling me that when uh, literally Natty was a babe in arms oh in a papoose and saying, oh, one of them lived to 40 um, down my road. That's really old for them, you know. So, you know, p with the right support, um, individuals with Down syndrome can live in, into their, well into their 60s and even 70s these days. Yeah. So in the right sort of, with the medical interventions and so on and so forth. Um, you know, I've heard you know, horrendous things. They're very highly sexed, aren't they? You need to give them things to calm down their sex drive. Um, you know, they're all yeah, quite people, offensive, really, aren't they? Very, the, very offensive. People yeah. with Down syndrome can get married, um, hold down jobs, have their yeah. own homes with support or not. Yeah. And I think there is also this thing where, oh, look, you know, Natty's a model. Oh, look, this I know this person with a job or that person's on TV. Actually, if you don't do any of those things, you're still a success and you're yes. still a worthy person and you still play an amazing role in your family. So, yeah. um, no, that's a very good point. Yeah, 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 absolutely. So I think we'd like to think that perceptions around Down syndrome and disabilities have come a long way in the last 10 to 20 years. What do you think has changed since you had Natty? Do you think, would you say things have improved and what needs to change more? I think things have changed. I think, there is when I started writing Downside Up over a decade ago, yeah. it was the only blog in this country that I knew about mm -hmm. um, about Down syndrome. There was one in America, Noah's dad, and now there are many. And you know, in terms of social media, there's a very positive yes. um, presence, and there are lots and lots of incredible. Um, charitable groups and books mm -hmm. and and lovely support networks out there online and um, so I think that there is a much more positive um, it's much more obvious you can find information that's current and up to date yeah. rather than having to sort of go to an old handbook which I was given when Natty was born oh my goodness yeah, there were beautiful positive leaflets and and wonderful wonderful things positive ab about downs making chromosomes count and the usual charities like the down syndrome charity there's a lot of that yeah. so I think new parents perhaps wouldn't be as shocked and as in the dark as I was but that said there's a flip side in that uh, non-invasive testing has come a long way. Right. And we are, as a society, testing and screening far more mm -hmm. prospective parents. We are identifying Down syndrome antenatally uh, far more accurately. Yeah. And the termination rate of um, babies with Down syndrome is increasing all the time. So it stands currently at about 92% of all um, antenatally identified pregnancies with Down syndrome. So um, 
you know, and in other countries such as um, Holland, some Scandinavian countries, um, there hasn't been a baby born with Down syndrome for about five years. It was complete eradication. So, oh gosh, that's made me feel quite upset. <laughs> yeah. I'm just just thinking from the point of view of the Down syndrome community, hearing that sort of that sort of news, knowing that's happening, it must be it must be really upsetting. It is devastating, and um, I believe in in choice. And this is a, bit, a, a very deep topic, and perhaps not one for Twinkle, but um, <laughs> choice. I think if 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 parent prospective parents are given unbiased, up to date information yeah. to make these agonising decisions. Um, then I think we'd probably see around a 50% termination rate. But the fact that it's so high and in other countries, 100%. Mm. Um, and yes, that's ve- it is very sad. What are we missing out on? Yeah, absolutely. What are we missing out, out on in our sort of delicate ecosystem of humanity? And and what does that say to our children who then um, are f- finding that they have fewer and fewer peers? Oh, gosh, yeah. And, and fewer and fewer support groups so yeah so it's a it's ethically that's a, a very big question so anyone interested in this particular topic i would urge to watch sally phillips documentary a world without yes. downs which poses exactly that question what are we facing a world without down syndrome and what would that look like and what does that mean yeah and that and documentary we... I, I would second it it's absolutely brilliant i remember when it, it was it was a while ago. when was it 2000 and... i think it's about five years ago five, i was gonna say yes. it's a little while ago i remember my mum calling me and saying you need to watch this i think i was the Zenko at the time or just yeah my mum rang me anyway and was like you need to watch this documentary and i think we both cried watching it and it yes. was just really thought-provoking yes. and really made you think didn't it and yes yes, yes. it raises some very valuable questions and not least that um you know, a lot of the screening test uh, manufacturers are making a lot of money as well. Yeah. So it's sort of making money out of fear, perhaps. But um, yeah. yes, yes, it's a it's a it's a minefield that that topic. Yeah. Um. So your blog, if we talk about that, because then you have an absolutely fantastic and very successful blog. You're like one of the like <laughs> I like to think of you as like one of the founding bloggers. <laughs> You're like oh, one yes, of the big yes. bloggers. Um. <laughs> and I fo- I follow your blog. I love it. Um. And you say in your own words, it sort of challenges fear and stigma and celebrates the narratives of those with Down syndrome. Um, do you want to tell us about it? I know it's obvious. I think it's obvious from your answers why you started it. But you, do you want to tell us about it, how it's evolved, where people can find it, that sort of yes. thing? Yes. Well, it's very kind of you to say that you think of me as one of the big bloggers. I always call my <laughs> I always call myself an accidental blogger. So I um, don't feel like one of the big girls and boys oh, that you are. really know what they're doing. So, you know, a lot of blogs are very slick and professional and mine is very homemade looking and um, I it's honest and it's open. And it it was accidental. It just started um, with me sort of crying into my keyboard. And um, I thought that I'd started it at the time to buy new parents' time with their new baby that, that I would yeah. cut through this fear and help them bond quicker. But actually it was cathartic for me. Yes. And and this online community that I suddenly found myself part of, which was my readership and other bloggers, became a very tight-knit family and the support has very, very much been two-way over yeah. the years. I love so, that. It, 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 but it really genuinely has. So when yeah. Natty has been in hospital for whatever, tonsils, heart surgery, or when my marriage broke down very suddenly, um, the support has come back to me yeah. through that blog network. So 
That's yeah. really nice that you've written something I'd, yeah, for somebody else, and then it's benefited you in that way. That's yeah. Cool. So yeah, and and it and it started off just talking about when Natty was born and Down syndrome, and then I started putting resources there. Yeah. Um, but it became it 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 was organic. It it went where it needed to go, and so yeah. people would. If something controversial happened, somebody said something negative, a high profile person said something negative about Down syndrome, people would say to me, come on, Hayley, you've got to write about this. So I would. And then the screening thing. So I would write about that or something happens. But sometimes I just write about, you know, there's a there's a recipe on there for um, homemade baked beans to help your child go to the toilet when they're constipated. But that's the sort of thing people are Googling, like parents will be Googling at nighttime because you frat, don't you, as a parent and you're thinking, oh, Possibly. if things like that, you might Google it. Possibly. So it, it all, what can I say, is broad-based. Yeah. Um, and, and you know, I don't blog as much as I used to because it, it I think it's, um, I think of it as a hub. Yeah. And um, like the centre of a, a, a bicycle wheel and the spokes came off. And so, you know, as I'm sitting here talking to you now because of the blog, but I'm, I'm not writing on the blog yeah. today. I'm talking to you. So it became the sort of centre of lots and lots of other lovely things. Oh, that's brilliant. I love it. Um, so for you, so how can people find your blog if they're thinking, oh, I'm going to go and check that blog out? Yeah. So the blog is um, downsideup.com. So it's got two S's in the middle. Yes. If you type it in without two S's, you come to some slightly strange religious film website. So it's downsideup.com. Dot com. <laughs> and it's downside up on all the socials. I'm yes. really simple. I keep it really I like simple. yours that you can find you everywhere. Because I think when I did mine, I, I had to miss a letter out on Twitter and that's caused caused me no end of problems. Yes. <laughs> because they simple. don't match. Keep it simple. Yeah. And your book. So you and your eldest daughter, Mia, Natty's older sister, you published a children's book called I Love You, Natty, which is very, very sweet and lovely. Yeah. Can you tell us more about that? Bless you, yes. Well, again, when Natty was born, um, I Googled and searched and went to the well-known online uh, book purchasing website yes. and looked for a book that I could read with Mia at bedtime to explain why mummy and daddy were a bit worried and mm-hmm. why baby Natty hadn't come home from hospital yet and why as a family we would make a few reasonable adjustments, but life would carry on as it yeah. had done before. And there wasn't there were there were lots of books and some of them were a bit outdated and from the 70s or 80s, and some were American, written in American. Um, and some were a bit dry and so on and so forth. So um a few years later, um, I found a beautiful note from Mia to her sister with a drawing of us as a family. Oh. And it was a little love note saying, Natty, it's in the book. And Natty, you know, I love you so much in my world. Um, you're so important to me. And if you weren't in this world, my life wouldn't be the same. And that wouldn't be fun. Oh. I, I think Mia was about seven when she wrote that. And I thought, that's it. That's that it. is the basis for the book that we were looking for. Yeah. Oh, that's so, beautiful. Yes. With a fantastic friend who works in um, in publishing and, and she put together the look of it with family photos and family drawings. And it's really colourful and it's bright and it does touch on, you know, how Natty learnt Makaton and we've had speech therapy for her and it touches on all the practical side of things, heart surgery and so on, but in a very accessible way for children. Yeah. 
Oh, it's lovely. <laughs> You're, you keep making me tear up. I don't know what it is about you. Or if it's just me being emotional. I don't know what it is, but I watched a TEDx talk and I was crying. <laughs> and then even you just, just telling me that about that note, I had a tear. Sorry, I do I do have a reputation for some people say I need to be sponsored by Kleenex because yeah. I do have a reputation for making people cry. Sorry. You do? No, it's okay. I think it's me as well. <laughs> um, so the other part which um, I wanted to talk about was education wise. So a lot of our listeners are obviously teachers, teaching assistants, senkos, head teachers, etc. Um, and I know they'll be keen to learn more about how to ensure successful inclusion and in education of children with Down syndrome. I presume that's probably why they'll listen to this episode. And whilst they may have learned about Down syndrome, I don't think they, well, they may not have heard the valuable sort of parents perspective that you can give. And you sort of give both sides because I know you've been a teacher and a teaching assistant yourself. So if we could start sort of personal experience, your daughter, Natty, she started in a mainstream reception class. That's right, isn't it? She did. Yeah. And there's a little bit of backstory to that. Okay. I think we let's wheel back even more because we were lucky enough to be able to access Portage. Oh, wow. And I don't think that exists a nationwide and I know resources are stretched but Portage was our first experience of, of Nutty um, being filtered into the education system. Yeah. And that was fantastic. It was um, a lovely lady who came to the house once a fortnight. Mm-hmm. And we were able to access um, a library of very uh, specialised toys, quite heavy duty yeah. sort of um, colourful toys. And she put together a, a little programme of activities to help Natty make choices, um, to reach and grab, look at things that caught her attention. Um, and more importantly than that, it was someone that came to the house, had a cup of tea with me and told me I was doing okay. Yeah, which probably, yeah, you probably needed it just as much as, yeah. as Natty. <laughs> and also she, um, again, sort of it was a family um wide support in that she she devised little activities that would include Mia as well oh lovely so that was that was wonderful so what um, age was that then what age so I think Natty was about two when that started oh wow that's or really maybe, good that you got support from so early eight, on 18 months even Brilliant. 18 months even so that was fantastic and the portage worker was able to um help me identify a, a suitable preschool for yeah. Natty to go to. And that was a mainstream village setting. It was a very small preschool. And they were absolutely fantastic. Brilliant. They were, in fact, I think that was the best part of Natty's education. Wow. Bar none. Gosh. Until this date. It was amazing. If Natty couldn't access something, nobody did it. Um Natty was so tiny at the time. We couldn't quite find a little chair. We did eventually source a chair from Community Playthings. Yeah. Um, a tiny, weeny little wooden chair, very sturdy with uh, sides on it so she couldn't fall off or fall out, um, which was gorgeous. But until that point, uh, she couldn't sit at one of the little chairs for snack time. So everybody had their snacks on the carpet. Oh, I love that. That is wonderful. It was wonderful. That's how it should be. Yes, it was absolutely wonderful. And Natty had an amazing key worker there um, called Helen, who is still part of our lives and now is one of Natty's PAs. She's like an auntie. And Helen, you know, really we worked together and she was as determined as I was that Natty would start school in pants and not in nappies. And yeah. she spent hours with Natty on the potty doing 
Jolly Phonics flashcards. And Natty knew all of her phonics before she started school. In part due to this amazing setting and this 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 incredible woman. That's wonderful. I understand why you wanted to talk about before school first. Yeah, that's yeah, that's and brilliant. That was um, really, really, really fantastic. And they um, helped to put the transition package together for school. Mm-hmm. And I think we took, uh, gosh, what seemed like forever, at least six months transitioning into school, which yeah. was attached within the same village setting as the preschool. So they, you know, Natty would go in for half days and play in the sandpit. And of course her sister was at that school anyway. So, you know, we'd, we'd meet the teachers at the gate anyway. So that worked brilliantly. Mm -hmm. It was a very natural um, move for Natty. And she went into that, that reception class with, with many, many peers so that worked beautifully, and there was a reception teacher was an amazing. It was a, it was a young man. He again, f- fully inclusive. He he built himself a little uh, stage up to the whiteboard with a with a little step. He built it. He built like, it himself of wood. And, of wood and carpeted it <laughs> so that so that Natty could that reach the whiteboard. Yeah, that, interactive is. whiteboard. Um, so. That initial um, first few years went went beautifully. Yeah, that sounds good. So from if a teacher's listening now, say a reception teacher, and they're thinking, and they know of dance, a child with Down syndrome who's going to be coming into their school, what would your advice to them be? So make sure that there's a, a longer transition period, presumably, um, starting as early as you can. Yes. And um, we, we created a visual transition book, so yeah. we had photographs of all the key staff. We took photographs of the p- classroom, the playground, the toilets, the coat yeah. hooks. And then during the summer holidays, I, we were able to go through that book many, many times and talk about the different areas of school, what things were called, the names of the key people. Yeah, no, that's um, a really good idea. You, yeah, really do it in a visual, visual way. Um, key things to put into place, I think, as well, uh, uh, some kind of visual, some software where you can share photographs between home and school. Yeah. I know there's software available. We couldn't find that at the time, so we had a, a sort of a visual book. And I bought, um, and I'm not sure you can still buy them, actually, but it was a little photo book that you could slot photographs into, but you could also record um, oh wow! Sound over each page, and we would record Natty saying the name of her teacher or saying the name of her best friend. Yeah. In this in this little book, I think Tommy made them. Oh, that's not sure this. Really? Have you still got the book? Because that's oh, adorable to look course, back at. Yes, a <laughs> little voice with you. Oh yeah. Okay. So keep it visual, very visual. Get, take a, a a bit longer. And the other thing I would advise is to go on a specialist course if you can yeah. run by the Down syndrome association and um get hold of their specialist books that they have mm-hmm. for um they have they have books for um transition and vet books um for educating a child in mainstream and so on and so forth so they have lots of really valuable resources on their site brilliant so i was going to ask what because I know some some parents choose to go down the special school route and then others go for mainstream when they start reception. What made you, how did you make that decision and how how would you advise? I know it's very personal to the individual child, but what advice would you give people when making that decision? Because it must be a difficult one. This is actually more of a can of worms than you 
would realize. Okay. Um, there are, it's a, a, it's very personal. Yeah. B, every child is different. Mm-hmm. And there is, I think, a feeling that a lot of parents have fought very hard for our children to have access to mainstream school over the years. Yes. And I think there is an unspoken perhaps feeling that we're letting the side down if we put our children in specialist setting. And also it takes, you have to admit to yourself, I'm choosing my words carefully here, but um, you have to accept that your child is going to go to a specialist setting and that might be something that it takes a while to come to terms with. Yeah. And for some parents, there's a big, um, there's a big badge that you can wave to say my child's in mainstream. Yeah. And for some children that's perfect and that is right. But for Natty, we had to accept that that wasn't right anymore. Mm-hmm. And that took a little bit of a, a shift in our thinking. Yeah. And we had to look at things from Natty's perspective, not ours. Yes, now I can see that. I'm choosing my words carefully because I really don't want to offend anybody no. because it, it's such a personal decision. Yeah. And I wouldn't want to say to anyone whose child is in mainstream right the way through to 16 or 18 or whatever that they had made the wrong decision no. because that might be right for their young person. But for Natty... She, it went really well for a couple of years, two or three or so years. And then the gaps began to widen between her and her peers. And what began to happen is that Natty became the class mascot. Right. She was loved. She was adored. But she was a source of fun for others. And they treated her like a baby and they picked her up and cuddled her and she didn't get invited to birthday parties and she wasn't a genuine equal friend. Yes. No, I was going to say, I think equal friend is the, is the, is the term, isn't it? It's, yeah. Yeah. And that began to hurt me. And I think Natty began to realise that that was happening herself. I don't think she ever articulated it, but I think she could feel that. Mm-hmm. And then she began to become educated in the corridor with a TA Um, and things weren't as well differentiated as I would have liked to see them. And she was being segregated. Yeah. It wasn't inclusion. She was under the same roof, but she was being segregated from her peers. When you look at the difference from that to the preschool setting, you know, them all sitting on the rug because she couldn't sit at the table. It's it's completely different, isn't it? That's not inclusion. And my thinking changed because when she was tiny, I, I remember saying, you know, when I did my Senko talks, my training, you know, yeah, inclusion is a two way street and the other kids are learning as much from Natty as she's learning from them. But actually that stopped. Yeah. And they were learning lots from having her in the class, but it wasn't really working yeah. the other way. And then there were two incidents, which if, right. we, if we've got time. I'll, yeah, we've I'll got leave. time. Absolutely. There were two very key moments for me. <clears throat> And one was when her class, I think this must might have been about year four or five, and they went uh, swimming, you know, standard swimming. On off They got in the minibus and off they went to the local yeah. pool. And Natty's a great swimmer. Mm-hmm. And she, she came home and I said, oh, this is great. How did it go? And what group are you in? And turned out there were three groups. And she said, I'm in group two. And I thought, wow. 
I was so proud of her, so proud of you. I gave her an enormous hug. Natty, you're in group two. That's yeah. amazing. <laughs> and then, um, you know, that was obviously the middle group. Yeah. Um, there was a group of children that couldn't swim and a group of, you know, Olympic swimmers. And yeah. she was in the middle group. <laughs> and then almost as instantly as I felt really proud, I felt really sad. Why? And this is going to make me tear up because I realised this was the first time in her educational mm. career that she had ever not been at the bottom yeah. of the pile for anything at oh, all. Gosh. Unless it was empathy yeah. or being in tune with your classmates' emotions or making everyone giggle with a well-timed fart. <laughs> it was the first time that oh. she had not been at the bottom. Yeah. And imagine that. Mm. Imagine what that does for your self-esteem when you're always the one that needs extra help and you've got a TA Velcroed to your side yeah. and everyone's always making special allowances for you. And yeah. actually you're a little bit of a, you're holding everyone back. It must be oh. how it feels to you. You haven't got any proper friends. And the other one was um, the other incident, which happened around about the same time, mm -hmm. came at the end of term and it was a, a parent's evening. And um, I went into the classroom and I sat down in a little mini chair at the table <laughs> and the teacher was was opposite me. And he was a lovely, lovely teacher. And uh, there was a piece of paper on the table. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it, well, that was his report, his, his notes. And I could see, reading backwards, I could see upside down in quite large font across the top of the first section below expectations oh. and I I um <laughs> I must have physically sort of stiffened and I and I I said to him I, I can see that I can see that says below expectations yeah. on that form he said oh don't worry about that don't worry about that that's a sort of a national standards we have to adhere to a sort of national criteria don't worry about that Natty's doing really well and how can I not worry about that it's written right in front of you yeah all I could think of was you know this young lady has um, survived heart surgery. She's learned to walk and chatter. She's learned to love reading books. She swims like a fish. She's been scuba diving. She um, can make an entire uh, room full of people um, erupt with laughter, a bit of twerking or whatever. <laughs> She's been on mainstream TV. She, she dances beautifully. She has exceeded all, all of our expectations. Absolutely. And somebody somewhere with a set of criteria has deemed her as, as being that's, below expectations. And at yeah. that moment, I realised that that setting was not the right setting for my child. Yeah. Yeah. Like you say, how can, how can anybody say that she hasn't exceeded expectations? How can they say that she, oh, that's, yeah. I can completely yeah. understand why that made you decision. So then you've, then, so she's now in a specialist setting. Is that correct? She's now in a specialist setting. So we, yeah, what? Yeah, exactly. What we need to do is measure young people against themselves, yeah. not against, you know, one another. Um, so at that point, um, we made the decision. Now, I was a I was a trustee um, of uh, several uh, special schools that are in a, in a mat at mm -hmm. that time. Um and I knew that one of the schools um, was perfect Brilliant. for Natty. Um, so it's a specialist school um, for young people with um, 
communication needs. Yeah. Um, and so yeah, it was just the perfect fit for Nutty. And they had one or two spaces in their year six. They had a, a year five and six provision for one class. Mm-hmm. And there were a couple of spaces there. And um, we we sort of um, made the case for that. And we got uh, Barney Anglis down to Cornwall. I don't know if you know Barney. And he came down to a meeting. Yep. We, so he's, a, for those of you that don't know, he's a very high profile SEN consultant. Amazing. And we got him down. He made the case extremely forcefully. And um, we got the place for Nutty. Brilliant. And which how- happened that we got that place two weeks before the term started, the new school year started. Wow. There was no transition. <laughs> there was literally no transition yeah. whatsoever for Natty. She left one school. We had summer holiday. We got the place. I rushed out and bought some uniform and she started. It Brilliant. wasn't ideal at all. No. It wasn't ideal at all. And so she didn't really get a chance to say goodbye and, and she still talks about loving her old school oh. and that wasn't done that wasn't done brilliantly no but it was the way you had to do it to get it so it was the way we had to do it to 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 get that place yeah and um immediately from a selfish perspective I went from constantly having to make suggestions at school constantly making resources constantly feeling I needed to um, supplement what was going at school at home in the evenings mm-hmm. and at weekends to everything being done at school Brilliant. they just got it they knew what they were doing they had worked with so many people with Down syndrome before they did it wasn't they, <laughs> what they were she wasn't the first one to ever go through the doors I wasn't constantly signposting resources and and groups and um you know, constantly having sleepless nights over the fact that Natty wasn't quite getting what she needed. Um, And crucially, she was fully included in every aspect of school life from day one. Wonderful. Instead of being, as I mentioned earlier, segregated. So um, everybody has access to everything and nobody has a TA. Nobody has that one-to-one. Everybody has all the right support, yeah. but it's in a hands-off way. And, you know, from day one, Nutty was encouraged to walk around the school independently to, to find her way about, to take paperwork to the secretary or whatever. Yeah. Um, independence was encouraged. And so that was a huge relief for me and her confidence and self-esteem, self-esteem grew. Um, and I couldn't, you know, I literally wept when she got that school place. Yeah. Um, it hasn't always been perfect. Um, my marriage broke down quite quite quickly and quite rapidly um, in quite difficult circumstances just mm. after Natty started there. And I was really relieved that she was in that place. Yeah. We'd got her to the right school before it happened. And school were very, very supportive of Mia and I mm-hmm. and, and Natty was getting some some counselling there, some trauma-informed support. And, you know, I was um, confiding in um, her teacher and we, we were getting the support that we needed. Yeah. So in terms of the school, has she, would you say she sort of thrived when she started then, obviously after the bumpy bit at the beginning? She did. She did thrive. Um, and and um, she's had 
opportunities that I believe she would not have had in mainstream school. So, you know, for example, when there's a netball team, everybody has a chance to be on the netball team and there are netball posts at full height, mid height and on the ground. So that's depending on your needs. So in a mainstream school, there's absolutely no way Natty would have ever, ever had a chance to be in the netball team. Um, Natty is on the school council. She's been interviewing prospective head teachers recently. Um, All those opportunities are open to everybody. Yeah, that's the way it should Um, be. That's good. Yes. And in a mainstream school, I think perhaps at best, Natty might have been a token. Yeah, I see what you mean. There's the danger, isn't there, that it can be. Yeah. So yes, she's thrived. And then of course, of course, the same for everybody. But then of course, the COVID pandemic came and 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 lockdown came and homeschooling came and that that I think has been particularly difficult for our children with surgeon. Yeah, absolutely. I've heard a lot of children with special education needs and disabilities. The lockdown has particularly affected them probably the most. Yes, it's been very difficult, d- difficult to explain why we had to do things the way we did. Um, Natty's a, a social animal and that was very difficult to not see her friends, not be with her friends. Yeah. Natty particularly dislikes zooms oh um and so any kind of education online or any kind of yeah even talking to grandma or doing her dance classes online she she didn't want to do that oh gosh which is understandable um and then your know, homeschooling was tricky which is where your your book came in which is great and twinkle <laughs> oh my you. gosh did we use twinkle boy did we use twinkle um and then when she went, she was, we were able to access some schooling because of her EHCP. And I chose to do that a couple of days a week. Um, and she went into school and it was beautifully done, very safely done, very small bubbles of three yeah. children. Um, but um, she wasn't in with her best friends because oh. some of her best friends perhaps weren't going back into school. Yeah. And it was just a question of, who was going in on which days yes because it wasn't always certain who was going to be in school well, exactly yeah. and who had covid and who didn't yeah. so you, she was thrown into a bubble with people that you so that was difficult to explain and um yes when 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 we opened up again and school was back to normal she wasn't in with her um her best friend so that was really tricky it's like you know us being allowed to go out for meals again and it's not with your family or best friends you're just thrown together with some random acquaintance yeah that's a very good way of putting it yeah yeah so that that was tricky but we are thriving again now and this academic year she's got a young male teacher which she loves she gets on well with him and he's vibrant and he's upbeat and he's full of energy so we've got um she's she's doing back well. into her stride again and she's just started doing one night a week boarding Oh wow! So working towards her independence. Yeah. So that's that's fantastic. And then, so, so if we're going through the journey of schools, what my last question would be about transition to post sixteen. I know it's not something you'll have done yet, mm-hmm. but for mm-hmm. like um, teachers or for parents who are thinking about this transition, what it's a big area that's not covered often. Um, what what are the options for you? What, yes. Well, certainly here in Cornwall, and I think. Perhaps I speak for families all over the country. Our options are limited. Mm-hmm. Um, if you don't have SEN, you've probably got a choice of two, three, four s- 
sixth form provisional yeah. or a college or an apprenticeship or a, you've got so many choices open to you. Um, and really, my options, I think, are doing it myself or one college here yeah. locally, which does a sort of a life skills course. And I'm not sure whether that's right for Natty, but yes, we are looking ahead at that. I think there's an open evening or open day coming up in the next month or so. It's amazing yeah. how it whizzes round. I am nervous. <laughs> I am anxious. And I think what I've told myself is that we take one year at a time yes. and the journey isn't necessarily linear and it doesn't have to end at 18 as yeah. it would for Mia. So, um, in fact, I was chatting to Natty's head teacher about this the other day. I would love Natty to do maybe a couple of GCSEs or mm -hmm. some similar um, qualification, but that doesn't have to be at 16. No. It could be at 18 or it could be further beyond that. Yeah. So it could be that she does a couple of years of life schools, life skills at college, and then we look at something else after that. Yeah. So I think, or we supplement it ourselves at home. So I think it's about looking at it from different angles and different perspectives and actually thinking of her education as a bit like a jigsaw and piecing bits together from here and there. Yeah. And maybe, you know, looking at getting a job or some voluntary service or something like that. And I would love ultimately um, perhaps Natty to go to a um, specialist setting like, you know, Fox's Academy yeah. or, but I think we're looking out of county for that. Yeah. So that's a, a, another difficult, a difficult it's, decision. It's difficult. Yeah. And, and simultaneously I'm looking at, when the medical provision will then become adult services and not the paediatric yes. services that we've known throughout Natty's life. So every time we go in to hospital for any routine procedure, we see the same team yeah. that have known her since birth. And suddenly that that's, gonna change. that's going to stop soon as well, yeah. um, which worries me. So I think I speak for all parents on this. I don't often try to speak <laughs> for all, but this is where we feel, you know, I have to live for a very long time because I have to be Natty's advocate for life. Yeah. I have to do it for her. Mm. And I have to make sure that all the reasonable adjustments are being made. Yeah. Um, and I have to fight her corner for her mm. all the time. So, yeah, it does worry me. Yeah. <laughs> it does worry me. And, yes, we've started, we have to start looking at it. If we link back right to the beginning when we were talking about um, when you were sort of mapping out her whole life when she was, like, in her first weeks of life, it's a similar mm -hmm. sort of thing now, isn't it? Yes, you've got to plan ahead for it, but it's, like you say, yeah. you've still got to take each year as it comes and just and be living it. Yes, you've got to plan for it, but you're still yes. just enjoying her as she so, is. We're sort of contradicting ourselves, aren't we, constantly? Yeah. It's sort of, yes, you've got to write a will and you've got to plan the provision for adulthood, but you've also got to enjoy. And one piece of advice I would give to parents and um, staff alike, teaching staff alike, is that I think when Natty was tiny, I was guilty of turning her into a bit of a project. Yeah. And if I throw enough flashcards at this baby, she'll be, you know, off the sky. She'll be amazing. She's going to do all these GCSEs. And she'll yeah. be, you know, actually what I needed to do was take her out and get her muddy. And <laughs> this is where your book is so wonderful because it's about- like, <laughs> There's a lot of mud in my book. <laughs> this is really mud and just go, or just, you know, have a tickle fight. Or yeah. how let's just snuggle up on the sofa and watch a Disney film. And that is important too. Yeah. Um, and yes, just to enjoy your child and not- turn them into a project. Yeah. And, you know, for members of teaching staff, 
don't always look at your ticky boxes and your criteria. And, you know, for some children, success is that they've made a, a friendship, yeah. a genuine friendship in school. And what we want for our children is that they will grow up as independent as possible. Mm-hmm. I don't care if Natty ever learns her times tables. Yes. You know, it really doesn't matter a jot to me. She loves reading. Mm-hmm. Her writing is pretty strong, but that isn't. It's will she le- learn to live as independently as pos- possible with support? Will she be able to keep herself safe? Yeah. Um, will she learn stranger danger, crossing the road? Um, these are little wins. These are successes. Yeah, I love that. Could you just, uh, so I think you've already said where people can find you. So you're Downs Side Up on all social media and that's with an S, two S's in the middle. Two S's. <laughs> yeah, so there's a blog. You know, I'm a dinosaur, so I'm not on TikTok. Um, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm not on TikTok. Twitter. I'm on Twitter. I've got a blog. We have a Facebook page and we have an Instagram page and they're all a little bit different, aren't they? Yeah. And we share different things on different on different places, but that's, that's where you'll find me. And... Um, Hayley Newman doesn't throw up many things if you Google that. So my my former name, which is ha- where most of the blog stuff was, and the book is published in the name of Golanoska. So it's G-O-L-E-N-I-O-W-S-K-A. And Natty's Natty Golanoska. Brilliant. You can find us all out and about doing our thing. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you ever so much for joining me, Hayley. You've been a wonderful guest. I've learned so much and I'm sure our listeners have learned a lot as well. Thank you so much for having me. Isn't Hayley lovely? Wasn't she great? Uh, Her honesty about her experiences and hopes for the future, I think really shone through as well. So do make sure you check out her blog, which is Downside Up and her book. And I'd watch that TEDx talk as well if you've got time, because I learned quite a lot from watching that. So it's on her website or you can search it directly on YouTube. Thanks for listening to Sending the Experts with Georgina Durant. Please subscribe to our channel um, if you're not already and tell your friends and family about this podcast and maybe some people on social media as well. (laughs) Thanks. See you again soon.